Good evening. Well, um, let's start tonight. We'll sing, uh, Heaven Came Down and Glory Filled My Soul. Let's stand. We'll, uh, we'll sing together. Savior I met. Oh, what a tender, compassionate friend. He met the need of my heart. Shadows this valley with joy and tell He made all the darkness depart. Heaven came down in glory, filled my soul. When at the cross the Savior So I've been thinking about while we were seeing this, heaven came down. So where, so in Bible, you can think of some stories where heaven came down. So what are, one of them I thought of was uh, Moses in the burning bush, right? Because God came down to earth and was in the burning bush and talked to Moses, right? What are some other ones you guys can think of? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Jesus or, or God, the God the Father, or I don't know, a manifestation of God was there in the fiery furnace. Mm, yeah. What, what, Mark? Rest of it, what? When, oh, when wrestle with, you mean Jacob? Jacob, okay, yeah. So God wrestled with Jacob. That was a pretty physical altercation, right? That wasn't like a ghostly or like a spirit, right? I mean, they were really going at it like all night, right? All right. Yeah. Yeah, when Jesus came to earth, he stayed here for 33 years, right? So the Holy Spirit came down in the form of a dove, right? There's a lot of them, aren't there? What? Oh, yeah, okay, Melchizedek visited Abraham, right? 
Oh, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Huh. I thought of uh, Paul when he was, when, when God talked to him, when he was like, uh, you know, on the road to Damascus, right? And didn't Paul get blinded? He was blind for a while, right? And Moses, when he saw God, he glowed for a while. But I don't think he got blinded. But, yeah, there is there's a lot more than I thought there was. Is there any, anything, anybody thought of any others? Oh, yeah, he wrote on the wall in front of, uh, what is that, Belteshazzar, right? The writing on the wall. I mean, I guess it just appeared like a hand, right? It was only the hand. Hmm. Yeah, I, he, well, actually, God talked to them every day, didn't he? He came down in the in the afternoon or something every single day. Abraham and Sarah. Abraham and Sarah. When he told them they were going to have a baby. Okay. Huh. All right. Well, there's a lot, and and God is with us, right? He's in us every day, right? Because the Holy Spirit is here. <laughs> yeah. You be one of those guys that gets caught up in the chariot up to heaven, no dying. What? Yeah, the angel came to Mary and talked to Mary. Yeah. Wow, we're up to like 15 or 18 different things. Yeah. Well, God loves us. Oh, well, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down, little clubs of fire on everybody. Hmm. All right, well, let's sing the last verse. Now, hope that will surely endure after the passing of
It's going to get warmer, that's all I can tell you, right? So hang on tight. But bad news is it's November, so it's going to get cold. But Saturday, I think it's supposed to get 60, so that's not too bad. Pastor Andrew's in his new house with two inches of snow in his backyard. So he said, he texted me and said, it begins. And I texted him back and said, it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. <laughs> so... Uh, They've got snow up there. Bobby Knight, by the way, if you did not already hear this, passed away. Uh, so, 83 years of age. So, if you would just, uh, those of you who are Bob Knight fans and can remember, I guess, uh, all those things. He's not been in Indiana for a while, but back in the day, he was everything that Indiana was all about, right? It was like, whoo! Uh, so, it was hard not to, not to know who Bobby Knight was. Um, there's a lot of things happening over the, uh, over the weekend, so I told you about Matthew Perry on Sunday, and, uh, in Indianapolis here, we had a mass shooting, you heard about that, right? So there was a, there were a party, uh, took place with a bunch of teenagers, mostly teenagers, and one, a 16-year-old girl was shot and killed, and, and several teenagers were injured. But um, I was really, I was really encouraged. A lot of times, there's these pastors that kind of give their opinion about political things, uh, and I'm not usually that excited about what they have to say. But this last weekend, one of the pastors hit the nail right on the head. So first of all, our mayor, you know, this is our mayor. He said, "The problem is there's too many guns." Well. Okay, guns are not why that 16-year-old girl died, nor the other teenagers got shot. This pastor, who again, typically these pastors that speak are more liberal than you and I would be, but he said, it's time that people realize that the police are not here to babysit their children. Parents, 
why were your kids at a party at 2 o'clock in the morning where they might get shot? <laughs> it's time to, time to be parents, right? So it's exactly right. Exactly right. So, you know, that was, that was good to hear. But there's a lot of things happening out there in the world. If you did not hear, you know, uh, Israel is, uh, over. The, I think since Saturday, Israel's count uh, of loss is below 10. I mean, they're counting it by single digits. And Israel is taking a lot of heat because they're, of course, attacking back Hamas. Now, by the way, Israel lost hundreds, you know, just a few weeks ago. But um, they, uh, they um, took out some Hamas thing, and, of course, there are casualties. There are. So it was hundreds. And so now there's the international community is putting a lot of pressure on Israel to basically back down, you know. And uh, Netanyahu stood up and said, I don't know if you've heard all this, but you probably did. I'm paraphrasing, I'm not quoting him, but he said, it's not going to happen. We don't care what you think, it's not going to happen. He said the United States didn't back down when they got bombed with Pearl Harbor. They didn't back down after 9-11, and we're not backing down. And, um, okay, that was... Um, that was an understandable take, right? It really was, but there's just a lot of pressure on things. So that's, that's kind of what all this is about. This Wednesday study is uh, a, current, a current events study through the lens of the scripture and in particular through the lens of, of prophecy, right? Because that's what kind of all came up. Everybody was like, you know, oh no, what does this mean for prophecy? Well, last week we were looking and we, we recognized that the next prophetic event on God's calendar is the rapture, right? It's the rapture. It's not the tribulation period. It's not something else that's happening during the tribulation period. It's the rapture. And so, you know, we're, our, our goal in this is, for, for me, and I've Captain Bly is going to take over next week, and he'll have a couple, three weeks here. And he's going to be looking really at current events, and we're looking at them, trying to look at them through the lens of the Scripture. But our goal is to get you to be confident in the Scripture, right? To be confident that what God says is true. It is scary to think of what might happen, um, but we cannot all of a sudden put on a pair of glasses that is pretending that this is prophetic in nature, the next prophetic event is the rapture. The rest of it, it's all prophesied in the fact that man is born to trouble, sparks fly upward, in the fact that we live under a curse, and in a sin sin cursed world, bad things are going to happen, and we can see it that way, but the reality is the bad things that are happening are just because of sin, not because of prophecy, per se. You understand? I mean, bad things have been happening since the Garden of Eden, and they're going to continue to happen until the completion of God's redemptive plan. But the next prophetic event is the rapture. Hang on to that and let that be an, a comfort to you. Thank you. I have to pull that first one up. So, we're going to go back up a little bit. Oh, I forgot to fix that slide. I'm sorry. I messed up this slide and realized it this morning and then did not fix it this afternoon. Oh, well. I don't know what to tell you. Here we are. 
So, have you ever wondered how it is that when, you, when it came time for Jesus to be born, some people seemed to get it, but most of the people missed it, right? There were, there were wise men, they're seeking out for Jesus. They go to Herod, and, and Herod says, what's this king of the Jews thing, you know, tell us where... And, and, uh, and it, it, they didn't seem to know, but, but the wise men did. Now, I was telling them this morning, this is just me, all right? I, I struggle with the star, all right? This is me. I struggle with, not that I struggle with the fact that God uses a star. I just struggle understanding the star. I can look up in the sky, and I can see a star, but I've never one time said, oh, look, that star is over Evansville. You understand? I mean... I've, I've never been able to have a star put me at a particular point on the planet. Now, I know that, that people have used the North Star for navigation, but even that, I don't believe that they were navigating, you know, using the North Star to a particular point. And yet the Bible says that this star stood over the place where Jesus lay, right? I, I don't understand. I know, in the, I know in the movies how they make it happen, you know, the light, ah, and like this beam of light shining down on the house. And, and that may be very well what it was doing. It's just that why wouldn't everybody have seen that, right? And why, why are there only certain people reacting to this star? I, and I'm sure that it's my lack of scientific knowledge. There's probably genuine ways scientifically to map a spot on the planet. But in my mind, that's a lot of science. I mean, I don't think that the average person carries that kind of science around in their head. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm the only idiot in the room. I don't know. But anyway, I'm, that's just me. I have some curiosity about the star. But the star really wasn't the key to this. Right? I was going to use the word star again. It wasn't the star of the show. The star really wasn't the key here. Because when, when, they said, when Herod says to the, uh, to, um, the wise men, where is this going to be? What did the wise men do? May remember what the wise men did? He quoted, they quoted scripture. They said, here's, where, here's what the Bible says. Remember, in Bethlehem. And, and, and they're quoting the scripture. And so I, I'm just telling you, it wasn't just, the, it wasn't just the star, right? It was the idea that God had given them some information and they were willing to accept and understand and trust the information that God gave. And uh, so the other side of this, is, by the way, is supposed to be about uh, Simon and Anna. Uh, so remember, Simon was the older guy who God had said to him, before you die, you're going to see the Messiah. There are people at the time when Christ was coming for the first time to this earth to become the Messiah of the world. There were people who were actually looking for him, anticipating his coming. And I'm going to say this, because the, the Bible doesn't necessarily make this likeness, but I'm going to make this likeness for us. <clears throat> we're looking for the second coming. But by and large, most people aren't getting it. Right? Now, you and I might be looking for it, but even us, even amongst us, there are some who like we're, are really looking, and then there are some who like, okay, yeah, I think it might happen. I know it's possible, Pastor. Okay, you, you, you get the idea. 
And, and so there are some, they're just anticipating. They're looking for the coming. The, you know, Simon's looking. He's waiting to hold this child. Anna is looking to, to actually see the Messiah. There are some who are looking. So the question is, how did they know? Uh, we'll pray, then we'll jump into this. I told you last week we'd be looking at the 70th week of Daniel, so that's kind of where we're going to jump into. Father, help us to trust your word, to see its truth, and then to apply it, and to uh, allow you to show forth um, uh, that truth in such a way that we would be willing to hold on, to grasp onto it by faith. And we'll thank and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, going on here, Daniel's 69 weeks first of the 70 weeks. There was Daniel's 69 weeks. And Daniel chapter 9 says, Know therefore and understand that from, from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince, shall be seven weeks, three score, and two weeks. What are seven weeks, three score, and two weeks? 69 weeks. And the Bible shows us this. I'm not going to ha- have it right here, but the Bible tells us this, that this, these are weeks of years. So there are, a, a week is seven years, and there's going to be 69 periods of seven years from the time that the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem is given till the Messiah comes. I mean, that's pretty specific, right? What is 69 times 7? Four hundred and eighty-three. So four hundred and eighty-three years. So there's I mean it's it's a pretty specific time. Now it it gets a little bit dicey for the first part of this is like, okay, so when was the commandment of going forth given? You know, you might miss that by you know a few months or whatever years. But I mean the Bible's pretty specific. Guess what? In four hundred and thirty three years, you know what you're looking for, or eighty three years, you know what you're looking for? The Messiah. Someplace in here, the Messiah is coming. I mean, it's pretty specific. From this point till the Messiah comes is going to be 69 weeks. Why wasn't everybody looking for Jesus who believed the Bible? That's my question. Why are there so few? Not why are there so, you know, why not why are, aren't there so many? You know, every, God's pretty clear here. What's going to happen? 69 weeks are going to take place of years. And the Messiah is going to be here. Everybody should have known, right? I mean, it's, it's an obvious, but, you know, people overlook things in the Scripture and don't believe them and don't take it. We trust the Bible literally, remember? And uh, so, and this is an after three score and two weeks, that first seven weeks, then the three score and two weeks, the, the uh, 62 weeks then, uh, that are coming, uh, yeah, uh, two, 62 weeks. Shall Messiah be what? Cut off. So that's to the death of Christ. So we know, we know that Messiah is going to die at the end of the 69th week. So how long he was going to live, that wasn't given to us. The 33-year period wasn't given to us. So his birth date was a little more ambiguous. But his death was really spot on, right? I mean, God is being very specific. There's going to be a 69-week per- period of years, 483 years, and Messiah will be cut off at the end of that 69th week. 
So, I mean, God's very specific. Uh, my question is, again, what, where, where are the Pharisees? Where are the Sadducees? Where, where's every, where are all the Bible scholars that are living at this time? That, why aren't they looking for the Messiah? And by the way, there is a, there's a reason why there was an, up, an upheaval of a lot of false prophets and false messiahs at that time. You know, but, and maybe that, that's one of the reasons why people didn't believe the Bible. Because there had been so many false ones that had come along and people had stopped trusting the Bible. We might think about all the times that people have claimed the Lord's coming was going to be on a certain time, a certain date, whatever, and after a while, people start sloughing it off, right? I mean, here's, there's a lot of stuff that we don't fully understand here. We don't. Uh, like, when did Israel become a nation? The second time. When did Israel become a nation recently? 1948. Israel becomes a nation, right? And the Bible says something to the effect that, you know, that generation will not, will not be done before the Lord comes back. And so it's like, ooh, wait a minute. So why isn't the Lord here, right? Why hasn't the Lord come back? And so, you know, then you've got to look and trying to define a Bible generation, and it, it varies in different people's opinions uh, from 20 years to 80 years to whatever. No matter how you look at it, uh, you know, that time is pretty much come and gone, right? And here we are, and so... Is the Lord coming back? And pe- there's a lot of reasons why people begin to doubt and why people begin to question God's word. Do we believe the word of God? That's our question. So we have the 69 weeks, we have Messiah cut off. And, um, you know, so the reason that these people knew is because God was very specific. He had shown us. And, again, God's very specific about his coming, although it's, it's, specific in ambiguous terms. Here's what Jesus said. It doesn't, I'm paraphrasing Jesus. I mean, I'm way paraphrasing Jesus. It does not take a rocket scientist. Jesus didn't say. It does not take a Bible scholar to see the season and to recognize when spring is coming, when winter's coming. And Jesus says, just like anybody sitting here in Indiana wearing your winter coat for the first time this year, perhaps, uh, can say, oh, guess what? Winter's just around the corner. That, that doesn't take a whole lot of you know, science for us. Jesus says, we can also discern the Lord's coming. We can discern the seasons. And so, you know, God's given us, we, our job is to trust God. Now, uh, I know that we talked about this last week. I know that throughout history, there have been moments where people have said, this has got to be it. This has got to be it. We, this is not a new season, necessarily, right? It's just not. The big addition to our time is Israel. But, you know, you go back before 1948, World War II, World War I, perhaps even the Revolutionary War, where people were saying, this has got to be it. You know, the world's coming to an end. Look what's happening but especially World War I, World War II, when you have the whole world at war, basically, it was difficult for people not to say, ooh, the Lord must be coming back. And I'm just telling you, 
that we have a gracious God and he might decide to just wait another hundred years and I don't know. But, uh, but I, I can also say that we should be able to discern the season. So we have these 70 weeks of Daniel. So here you have those first 62 weeks. Messiah is cut off. And then you have in here uh, something that interrupts the, the 69, there's 70 weeks, right? There's 70 weeks. And so it's been described this way. I, I, the Bible doesn't describe it this way, but it's a good illustration. Um, if I'm standing here and I'm looking at a mountain in front of me, and there's a larger mountain behind it, I can see this mountain, and I can see the top of the mountain back there, but what can I not see? Say it again. I can't see what's in between these two mountains. I see this mountain, I see that mountain, but I don't see the valley in between, right? I don't see that. And so many have used that as, an, as a description to say, here's the, the perspective of the Old Testament Jewish prophet. He sees the mountain, and he sees the mountain behind it, but he can't see that which is in between. So we see Messiah's coming. We see Messiah's kingdom, the kingdom age, coming up behind it, but the in-between gets lost in the minutiae because they... It's a good illustration. God doesn't give it. It's just a good illustration. But here's what we do know. Jesus said to the Jewish people, because you have rejected me, the Father has rejected you and is now going to work through the Gentile people. Right? I mean, Jesus made that one very clear. So what was not seen to the Old Testament, to the Old Testament Jewish prophet is this church age so you know we have the messiah cut off that's the death of christ and then we have the church age the rapture of the church and then comes the last week of daniel the 70th week of daniel we're going to look at that concept here in just a little bit all right so um as we put all this together it's about dispensationalism and and i'm going to just give you a quick overview uh you can look this up so as we map out the scripture we see seven a dispensation is basically a way in which God was dealing with the people on this earth during a certain time. Okay, so man at the beginning uh, was placed in the garden in what is called innocence. What is this concept? And why? Where do we get this? It's a biblical concept. Where do we get the concept that we should call this innocence? What's the big clue in the scripture? Say it again. Okay. They didn't understand the distinction between good and evil. Don't eat it. This tree will give you the knowledge of good and evil. Right? Remember the Bible says that they were naked and not ashamed. They, they were naked and didn't know it. You know, that then, you know, they eat of the tree and, you know, God says, Adam, where are you? And Adam says, we're over here. Why are you hiding? Because we're naked. Who told you you were naked? They were, they were in innocence, you know, without, without any of that. And so, um, that's, that, so that's a very, we don't know exactly how long this timetable was. Here's what we know. Adam had time to be lonely before Eve came along. 
got to figure out that one for a little bit, all right? So I'm going to tell you. I'll go ahead and tell you since I brought it up, all right? Um, some would say that Adam, that Eve was procreated from Adam. Remember, God, God made Adam, formed Adam out of the dust of the earth. But then he took Eve out of Adam's side. I'm just telling you. Okay, so, but all we know is that the Bible says all the animals came, Adam named them, and there wasn't a help meet found. So there's some kind of time frame in there. You know, I guess it could have been five minutes, but that's a lot for Adam to do in just a few minutes. You know, so the animals come, no help meets found there, and God then uh, puts Adam in deep sleep and brings Eve along. So but anyway, there's this time of innocence. We don't know exactly how long it was, but it's, it's from the time of creation to the fall and being expelled from the garden. That's that first dispensation of innocence. It might have been days or weeks or months. We don't know. Uh, then we have this time of conscience. Now man has a conscience that's working, right? Man does understand the distinction between good and evil. And this conscience working. That's from the fall to the flood. Uh, conscience has never been a, never been a good guy for men, mankind. You understand? Never has been. A Jiminy Cricket may think that you should always let your conscience be your guide, but God doesn't teach us that, okay? Uh, God gave us the Holy Spirit because he knows that our conscience needs help to stay right. Uh, our conscience is too easily seared. And the proof of it is right here in this time. Now, from the fall to the, to the uh, flood is how long-ish? You know exactly. We don't. I, I could. The Bible could probably tell you exactly if you go through and count up the ages. But at least one man, the oldest man to ever live, had lived. Methuselah was 969 years, right? I mean, if you think about this, Noah. It, it, there's a lot of time that ha passes, but Noah at least was only one generation removed from Adam, as far as like. Adam would have died just shortly before Noah was born. Think about this. I mean, it's now because Adam lived however long it was, how long was it? 930 years, and you know, and so, and so it's it's amazing, really, when you put it all together and you start seeing how how much their lives overlap. Uh, but anyway, so this conscience goes until the flood. Then human or civil government comes in. That's from the flood where man is in charge of governing, where man is, I mean, things like the death penalty are given to, as man's responsibility to act as the authority to govern. Uh, this human government time comes in there, and that lasts until Babel, all right, until the Tower of Babel. So we have these three, fairly quickly in the scripture, these three um, dispensations. Then we have the dispensation of promise. That's from Abraham to Moses. Uh, where God is working through his covenant promise with Abraham and the people there and working through all of this, and that brings us then to Moses, and Moses gives us the law. Then we enter into a law, probably uh, the longest period, um, we may be passing it up or catching it up to it at this point, but um, uh, so we're under, the, they're under, we're under the law. By the way, reminder, why is the law given to us? 
schoolmaster. Hear me out. This is important. How were Old Testament people saved? Say it out loud. I want you to catch this, because sometimes people think, oh man, Old Testament people had to keep the law in order to get saved. No, the, the law was never given to keep. It was given to teach. That's what the law was given for. It was, it was the proof that we could in no way make ourselves acceptable to God. That was the proof. We needed a Messiah. You know what the Old Testament people had to do? They had to place their faith in what God was going to do. Let me prove it to you. I, uh, in Hebrew, take your Bible, turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Let me show you something in Hebrews chapter 11. I'll prove this to you. In Hebrews chapter 11, uh, starting in verse 23, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. And, be, and they were not, I'm sorry, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, verse 24, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now look at verse 25. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the pe people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Now 26 is amazing. Listen to what it says. Esteeming, this is what I'm about Moses, esteeming the reproach of Who? Christ, Moses' faith was in a future Messiah. That's what Moses was trusting. He didn't, wasn't trusting the law to get him to heaven. It was never given for that purpose. He was trusting that God would send a Messiah to pay for his sin debt. That's where it, Here's what Jesus said, and it's, it's, it's an all-time truth, right? No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. doesn't matter what dispensation you live in. The only way you get to the Father is through Christ. That's it. There's no other way to heaven than through Christ. And that's an important factor for us to catch. Moses talked about Jesus. Uh, Job, remember Job? I mean, Job said, I know that my Redeemer liveth. And Job even understood the resurrection, because he said, and I, I'm paraphrasing that, and I know that one day I will, in this flesh, stand before my God. Think about that. I mean, Job's understanding. It's, it's amazing to me how little people understood about the Bible, not how much they did. I mean, the, there's such a few number of people that were looking for Jesus to come, and so many should have known, because God's been pretty clear on it. And Moses understood it. David understood it. You know, he, David writes about it. Uh, you know, Isaiah understood it pretty clearly in Isaiah chapter 53. It's all mapped out for how Jesus is going to die. I mean, there's a clear understanding of the Messiah, and yet when Jesus comes, it's missed. And uh, so we could actually make that application for us here. So then we, here we are in the day of grace, which is now the church age. So from the cross to the rapture of the church, we are in this church age. Now, again, a dispensation is the way God is working through, working with people on this earth during a dispensation, right? So we have innocence, we have conscience, we have government, we have promise, we have the law. Now we have grace. 
Now, this is interesting because during the 69 weeks, when, when Daniel wrote his prophecy, what dispensation was he in? The law. He was in the dispensation of law. That's the dispensation under which it's... it's so God's working through the law and through the people of Israel the Jewish people, to reach the earth, to reach the world, right? By the way, can I just point this out? John 3.16 wasn't a new truth. Did God love the world in the Old Testament too? Yes. This wasn't a new truth. You know, it's a continuing truth. God never didn't love the world. Sometimes we read the Old Testament, we think that God loved Israel and didn't love anybody else but that's not true. And look at, for, for instance, God sent Jonah to a city called Nineveh. What kind of city was Nineveh? Wicked city. Not, not only was it wicked, but it, you know what it wasn't? Jewish. And you know what God did for that wicked, non-Jewish city? Forgave their sin. Think about this. God's always loved the world. Read the Old Testament prophets. I say unto Egypt, I say unto Syria, I say unto Ethiopia, and and there's literally statements. God is speaking to the world. He's speaking to the world through the Jewish people. That's the venue. Today, it's the church. We have the job. We're the ones that carry that banner. That's our job. And then we have the millennial reign coming up, and that's going to be the last dispensation, but that's not here yet. So, during the, the dispensation of the law, Israel is God's primary vessel through which to reach and speak to the world. Israel handles the word of God, and God's focus is upon Israel. During the church age, the church is God's primary vessel through which to reach and speak to the world. The church handles the word of God, and the church is God's primary focus. You see how this works? Now, the, the 69 weeks were written under the law. Guess what has to happen for the 70th week? We need to go back to a previous economy where God is going to work through the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, on this planet again. What has to happen to the church? We're gone. The church is raptured. Do you understand this? We're at the 69th week, the Messiah was cut off. The church age is this parenthetic you know, age that's here that they didn't see, they didn't understand completely in the Old Testament. Now, but that 70th week is still hanging out there. But in order for the 70th week to be fulfilled, the church has to go. And the economy, the, the way in which God is going to work through or work to reach this world is going to be through the Jewish people. Okay, what's what's the great distinguishing factor between the church and the Old Testament followers of God? What's the great distinguishing factor besides the fact that one was looking forward to the death of Christ and one looks back to the death of Christ? What's the great distinguishing factor? The Holy Spirit of God. For the very first time, the Holy Spirit's job is different than ever before. I can prove this to you. 
they were saying to Jesus, please don't go. After he died, after he spent time with them, he's about to ascend up into heaven, and they're like, Jesus, don't leave us. And Jesus says, I must ascend to the Father, because if I don't ascend to the Father, the Comforter cannot come. The Holy Spirit was around in the Old Testament, right? But his job was different in the Old Testament than it is during this time, during the church age. Because for the very first time, the Holy Spirit of God is going to indwell believers. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit of God would come upon people, right? Remember, Samson is the great, the great illustration. Uh, the Holy Spirit comes upon Samson, and he takes the jawbone of an ass, and he slays however many Philistines it was. Uh, the Holy Spirit... Or, you know, comes upon Samson and he has the strength to, to kill a lion. And the Holy Spirit, the, the Spirit of God would come upon But remember what happened when Delilah tricked Samson? And the Bible says this, he wist not that the Spirit had departed. Did Samson lose his salvation? No, this wasn't a salvation issue. The Holy Spirit was... The, the job in the Old Testament of the Holy Spirit was different than it is today. We have an indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and that couldn't happen until Christ came, died, and ascended to the Father. So Jesus said, if I don't ascend to the Father, the Comforter cannot come. But this is huge. Are there people saved in the tribulation period? Hello, read your Bible. At least 144,000 plus a number that cannot be numbered. It's a lot. A lot of people are going to get saved. But here's the thing. Is it harder to be saved and harder to live for God without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit? Because the church age is done. And the economy of God goes back for that 70th week to the, the economy under which it was written, the law. The church is gone. And we go back to the whole, the Old Testament concept and the Holy Spirit, yes, still has a job, but he's no longer the comforter. We have a comforter. We have a comforter. Wow, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's just going to be, it's a totally different thing. So that's what's, needs to happen for this 70th week of Daniel to take place. So in Daniel, 70th week of Daniel, Daniel chapter 12, it says this, And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since the, uh, there was a nation even to that same... Think about this for a moment. When There's going to be a time of trouble such as never was since people made nations. What has already happened in the world's history. Can you think of, like, what was the worst event that's ever happened so far from, this, from Daniel back? From Daniel back. The flood. That's a pretty bad one, don't you think? I mean, Daniel says, uh-uh. Nothing like it. There's never been anything like what, what's about to take place. The flood? There's never been anything like what is about to... Look what Matthew says. Jesus says in the book of Matthew. For then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time no nor ever shall be. Ooh. 
I mean, it literally makes the flood pale in comparison. Wow. <laughs> the 70th week of Daniel is not something you want to be around for. Right? This is going to be rough. I mean, that's what the Bible describes. So the church is going to be gone. Everything goes back to the Old Testament economy for this 70th week in which God's going to accomplish these things. So uh, that's that in Joel chapter 1, look what it says. Alas, for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand, and as a destruction from the Almighty shall it come. This is the great and terrible day of the Lord. That's what's being described. That's, that's this 70th week of Daniel. So that's what we're going to be... That's the prophetic part. And we'll look into some of the prophetic things. Now, we've given you a book or given you access to a book, and I'm warning you about the book. I, I put the book in your hands because I like this Jewish understanding of the Middle East. He understands things that happen in the Middle East in ways that you and I don't. But I'm warning you that he believes that the church is here for the first half of the tribulation period. So he's going to take prophetic events and place them into your future. But remember, the next thing on God's prophetic calendar is the rapture of the church. You need to take great comfort in this. We're not going to be here for it. Do we hold to the scripture or not? There's going to be a lot of things that are going to cause us to question the scripture, just as there were when Jesus came the first time. And there are many things that made people question, is this really the Messiah? Is this really going to happen? Is this? And all of a sudden, there are a lot of question marks. But there was enough in the Scripture they should have known. And there's enough for us to know. Let's nail this down. We're not going to be here. The rapture is the next prophetic event. So the things that happened last weekend, the only way they're prophetic in nature is that God prophesized, if you'll let me use that word, prophesized, that you reap what you sow, right? If you sow to the wind, you'll reap the whirlwind. And this is what happens. We're seeing what happens when wickedness is un left out of check. That's the only way it's prophetic. This is not revelation coming to light before us. We're not here for the book of the Revelation. We're not here. This is all preemptive to the book of the Revelation. This is just, and, and there have been other times in, the, in history like this one. I remind you again, right? World War I, World War II. There have been other times in which people were looking thinking, it can't get any worse. Well, you know what they thought at the flood? You know what they thought probably right after the flood? It can't get any worse. But you know what God says? There's going to be a time of tribulation such as has never been since the beginning of time. That's coming. So when you say it can't get any worse, I'm sorry. Yes, it can. And we just need to understand that, you know, this is... So we're not living out prophecy, per se. We're, we're not living out prophecy in, any more than the fact that God has put his whole plan out there and we're in the middle of it. I'm aware of that. But we're not living out the book of the Revelation. None of these things that are taking place are ours. Okay, in Revelation, they're not ours. Things are taking place now, they're just our history. That's what's taking place. So if we're going to look at that, uh, I encourage you to read the book. It gives you an understanding of kind of uh, the Middle East things. And he's, I, I, I do like, I do like uh, Joel Rosenberg's 
grasp on what's happening in the Middle East. He'll give you a good understanding of Gog and Magog. He's going to do that for you if you read it. It's a great understanding of it. But our goal in these next few weeks is to take the current events that we're seeing played out and view them through the lens of Scripture in such a way that it causes us to be confident of season and more confident of God's timing and takes away the worry, right? So that's what we're trying to accomplish as we move forward. All right, we've got a few minutes here so you can pray. Anybody have a prayer request you want to share before we break up into prayer groups? Ms. Carol? Okay, Susan Starn. Starns. Okay. She knows the Lord, but she's got uh, tongue cancer, and they're having to remove uh, part of her tongue and some teeth. Uh, probably going to come out because of the radiation that she has to go through, so pray for her. Anybody else? Mesothelioma is it's something that you get from exposure to some kind of chemical, right? Yeah, asbestos. Is that is asbestos? Usually asbestos. Okay. Okay. Say that name again. Scott and Linda Parker. Okay. And then we had mentioned to you last week about uh, uh, Wayman, Andrew Wayman. His twin brother, Daniel, has been visiting our church. He's 35, got a couple kids, uh, had colon cancer three years ago, four years ago, and came back, came back with a bench. And so they've taken everything out, and he's going to live off the bags for the rest of his life. But he is home and doing well. So right now, the prayer is really for his, him just for his emotional and mental state as he tries to deal with all of the things moving forward. He's got, a, I think, a 10-year-old and a 3-year-old. So just, you know, helping them understand all the things that are going through. But uh, otherwise, he seems to be doing well. Okay. Pray. you got about three minutes, and uh, then your kids will be dismissed. So God bless you.